Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 30. The South Shall Rise Again. Welcome back everybody. I hope you had a good holiday and New Year's. Here at the One Player household, I got sick right before Christmas and I was pretty miserable. Coffee and really bad and no energy at all and I didn't start feeling better right until actually about Christmas Day where I finally started feeling functional. Um, haven't quite recovered yet, but now Mrs. One Player is uh, also pretty sick and coughing, so she got my cold, or whatever it is. So all that being said, I haven't done quite as much preparing as I'd like to, or as I would normally do, but uh, here we go, I want to do the show anyway. Today's show, I'm talking about Mosby's Raiders, which is a game about the guerrilla warfare in the Civil War. Anyway, before I get into that, let's jump into the news. I don't have a lot this time, There, just a few items. So first up, Where There Is Discord is going to be reprinted. Pre-orders are going to start in January. The game is about the Falkland War between uh, United Kingdom and Argentina. So you should watch for that if you want to pre-order it. You could get, as far as I know, you could get it directly from the publisher or in the U.S. You could reserve a copy from Noble Knight Games. Next up is Tunnels and Trolls is going to be reprinted. That's a role-playing game, which is interesting because it has a lot of solitaire scenarios available. If you go look online, like an RPG now on those sites, you could back it through Kickstarter. The third item is another Kickstarter item, which is a game called Battle for Souls, in which you're trying to save souls from evil. And that game supports one to four players. And that's it. Next up is the contest resolution. I was a little surprised there was only three entries, but not too surprised since it's not much of a prize and kind of complicated contest. Unfortunately, two of the entries disqualified themselves by editing their posts. The rule was you were not allowed to edit a post, you had to do new posts for each row. So Chris and Tim do not win. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Maybe you already have poker dice. That means the third person... Mikolaj is the winner, so congratulations, you win with a pair of aces and a pair of nines. I will contact you to get your mailing address and mail off some dice in a couple days. Congratulations! Well, this is interesting. I just heard an explosion and the lights went out. Somewhere a transformer blows, then the lights come right back. Then, but five, ten seconds later, I hear another explosion and the lights go out and come back. Then I... Another 5 or 10 seconds, I hear a third explosion and the lights go out. And they stayed out. So now I am recording in the dark. Uh, we'll see how this works. I'm using my laptop's light to uh, to read my notes, which is not working so well. So anyway, I thought one thing I'd try and talk, come up with today is my ultimate solitaire game. Just for the heck of it, I came up with a bunch of criteria I think would fit for my ultimate solitaire game. So I'm just going to go ahead and list these. First up is the theme. I like games with exploration. Pulp era sort of Indiana Jones stuff is neat. Lovecraftian horror is also great. That's always fun. And fantasy settings when you're again when you're exploring. I, I think those are my three favorites. You know, when it comes to Lovecraftian horror, especially like the uh, three stories which I would love to see as games: Call of Cthulhu, The Mountains of Madness, or The Shadow of Rin's Mouth. Next up are mechanics. Some mechanics that I like are push your luck. They, they tend to be kind of fun in solitaire games. And, you know, it's so-so. It's a hit or miss. I think the game shouldn't have any combat charts or any, any charts to look up. That's way too fiddly, or at least not too many charts. Those tend to slow down the game a bit. I like resource management games. I think a lot of times those end up feeling a bit puzzly, and that can be fun. I like games with lots of choices. 
where I have lots of actions to pick from each turn or or lots of different directions to take off in or character classes or whatever. I, I like lots of choices. I like games that have a tech tree. That's always great. If you have if you have a character, you could choose a his profession and what types of equipment he gets and that sort of thing. I like tile placement. I find that's fun, so that'd be neat in a game. Probably not a requirement, but I really enjoy it, especially if they're nice-looking tiles, honestly. And I like pick-up-and-deliver games. So I'm thinking of a, a fantasy game or a Lovecrafting horror game that has all those things, a push-your-luck, resource management, tech tree, tile placement, pick-up-and-deliver game. Okay, next up, some other characteristics about the game. It should be about 60 to 90 minutes in length. Shorter than that, and it tends not to be very deep, I think, usually. Longer than that, it's just not going to be able to play it very often. The game should be hard to win. I'm trying to read my notes, and it's pretty dark here. You have to make all the right... Ch- yeah, it's the sort of game where you got to make all the right choices, where if you make too many mistakes, you're just not going to win. Maybe you're allowed a couple mistakes, but not too many. Uh, I Hopefully it's scenario-based. I like having different scenarios. They tend to be fun. Make the game very different each time you play, which is neat. I prefer if it has a board. It should be designed for solo play. Multiplayer games that can be played solo are okay, but a lot of times the, the solo play is not as satisfying because usually that the solo play seems to be an afterthought. And I know that's not always true, but you know if it's designed for solo play off the bat, then it's probably going to be better as a solo game. And there shouldn't be too much luck. Hopefully, there's a lot of strategy. You know, some luck is definitely good, and some luck is needed in a solitaire game. But hopefully, it's not too much luck where I feel like it doesn't matter how well I played the you know the the result was left up to a die roll. And so that's it. So, you know, if I had more lights and I could see better, I'd probably think about this stuff more and talk more about it. I also want to try and conserve my battery a little bit. But there you go. That's my ultimate solitaire game. Okay, so finally I'm going to talk about Mosby's Raiders, published by Victory Point Games. No, I'm sorry, published by Victory Games, which was, uh, I believe, a subsidiary of Avalon Hill. I believe the game was published in the 80s. I've got the box here, but I cannot see... Yeah, it was published in 1985. The game was published in 1985. It is about the Civil War. It was designed by Eric Lee Smith, who was a co-designer of Ambush. And the game focuses on John John Mosby and his uh, partisan raiders, who were basically guerrilla fighters during the Civil War that uh, harassed the North. And they mostly worked in the area of uh, Northern Virginia. So as I said, this game was published by Victory Point Games. It comes in a bookshelf-sized box. The game brings probably about 180 counters, a paper map, one die, and a 32-page rulebook. And it has a counter tray. Actually, I'm not sure if the counter tray came with it or not. This copy, I should say, I found it at a thrift store. I was really lucky. I went to a Goodwill outlet store, which is basically, it's a clearance center. And they dump everything in these big bins, and they charge you by the pound. And I found the game in a bin under a bunch of other stuff. I was very fortunate the game hadn't been tipped over because a lot of times at this place, if the game gets tipped over, opened up, the pieces get scattered, and you got to dig through bins and bins and bins. And this game was you know, in great shape and complete. And yeah, I probably paid about 2 or $3 for it. And I have now played the game probably about three or four times. Not a whole lot, unfortunately, but <clears throat> enough to know that I do like it. So the way this game works is it's a point-to-point movement game. And the map has a bunch of locations on it, probably about 80 or so different points you could go to, and they're all different towns. And probably about half or two-thirds of it are behind Union lines, which means they're controlled by the Union forces. And as you're playing the game, you're basically trying to penetrate the Union areas 
find find a enemy unit and fight them or harass them by attacking wagon trains you attack wagon trains and other types of units that get points you destroy bridges and railroad tracks and things like that and all those will get you victory points well they're not called victory points they're called notoriety points and the the way the game works you play over nine turns and your goal is to I'm sorry, you play eight turns. It, the goal is to, by the end of the eighth turn to have notoriety of nine or ten to win. If if you don't have that much by the end of the eighth turn, you lose the game. Or if at any turn your notoriety is less than the turn number. So at the end of turn two, if my notoriety is only one, you know, the game's over. The game has a quick setup, which I like. When you start, you, you have something like 12 counters on the map. It's really easy, and you throw a a bunch of counters for, to represent the Union forces into a cup where you'll draw shits blindly from it. As your notoriety goes up, you're going to start adding other counters to that mix so that the units you fight end up starting to become harder and harder. The way a game turn plays is you first are going to roll... You, you'll go ahead and set the counters in the, cu- in the cup. If you need to add counters to the cup because the notoriety's gone up, you add the counters. You're going to then... Roll to see what your strength is this turn. Basically, how many how many uh, how many guerrilla fighters have joined in your force? And I'll give you a rating of something like one through four, maybe one through five. You're gonna then draw events. You're gonna draw cards into your hand. You can have up to four or five cards. I th- think you start with three, and it could go as low as two cards at the beginning of a turn. And after you draw all the cards into your hand, you're then gonna draw some events. You roll a die. That's how many events you get. One through six. And some of the events are bad, some are good. I think they're mostly harmful, but they all just kind of change the game a little bit one way or another. And then once you've done that, you start the main section of the turn, which is you're moving around the board, and you're probing and penetrating the Union area, trying to find units and figuring out how to fight. You know, it's a lot like Ambush or Vesuvius Incident, that you have an, a phase in which you're moving freely around the board, and a phase in which you're in combat mode, in which your movement is and your options are more restricted. But basically, as you're moving freely, you can move, as long as you're on the rebel side, you can move anywhere you want. And when you start getting close to Union lines, the Union spaces, you got to probe them to see if there's units there and then draw counters. And if the probe is successful, you can look at the counter and then place it back on the board. If it's not successful, you may end up having to, to fight the counter. You, you activate the counter and then they start chasing you around the board until there's no longer active Union forces. So a lot of the game ends up being... You're trying to be sneaky and probe and find ways to get into the bridges. Destroying bridges is really good because your notoriety goes up faster when you destroy bridges. And you want to f- avoid fighting units, especially at first because a lot of the units tend to be stronger than you. And the way the combat works, it, it's not in your favor, at least not at first. I think it's something like 50-50 that you'll win a fight. And the consequence of losing a fight can be pretty bad. If you lose a fight and get damaged, that ends a turn. And if you lose another fight next turn and take damage, then you die. So you really want to avoid getting hurt. Plus, even if even if you're just damaged, you're drawing fewer cards into your hand. So the game tends to be a lot of sneaking around the map, trying to find ways to the, these good things. And when you're in a position where you are able to fight well because you, drew, you have a good uh, force on your side or because you have good cards in your hand and you find weak units to fight against, then the fighting's a good way to get more notoriety, notoriety points. The notoriety is a little more fine-tuned than that. There's two scales, performance and notoriety. And performance goes from 1 through 10, and when you get to 10, the notoriety goes up one point. The game has a little bit of a memory aspect in that as you're drawing the chits from the from the cup and putting them on the board, 
you need to remember what the value is because you're putting them face down so you don't see the strength of the units and you kind of have to remember you could go and probe again and look at those spaces but there's always a chance that when you probe you can activate them and a lot of times you want to avoid doing that so you're trying to remember okay there's a strength one over here and there's a strength four over there and I'm better off going towards the one because it's easier and I actually find that works pretty well the memory aspect it's not very strong but it does make it kind of interesting especially when you remember wrong and you basically go into the wrong spot what else can I say about this game man recording in the dark is hard the playtime, I believe, is about two to three hours. When I played last time, it was a three-hour game. I have found that it's doesn't so far doesn't seem that hard to win. I think most of the games I've played, I've won. I've only lost one or two. So I should I should say, the higher your notoriety, the more aware the union is of you, and the more aware they are of you, the less likely probes and different actions to succeed without activating the union forces. So early on in the game, you could do a lot of stuff and examine counters and get a lay of the of the board and where everybody is and all the different unit sizes are at and that works pretty well once your notoriety gets to like four or five it starts to get a little harder and you end up having to fight more often and to eventually to a point where you're pretty much guaranteed that anytime you do anything that involves the union force you're going to end up having you're going to end up activating and having to fight it a lot of times that fighting involves running away from them running and running until eventually they become deactivated each time a union unit's going to move, you roll the die, and if you roll a one, they become deactivated on the space they're at. So the, what I did is, as I play, is I'll go and I'll probe, and I'll keep probing, trying to find a way to bridge or something, and activate a force, and if that force is too strong for me, I take off running away from them and run around the country for a while and, until they lose me and get deactivated. And then I start probing again, and it works pretty well. I find that kind of fun. I find it... I guess like in a way like I really am being a gorilla and I'm going in and trying to do some damage and when I get caught I run away and you know try and avoid fighting these forces that in theory are more well organized and stronger than me. Here's one interesting and I guess kind of annoying thing but not terribly annoying. When you, at the beginning of the turn you roll the die to see the strength of your force. Early on when your notoriety is only one, if you roll a one you don't get any forces and the turn ends right there. Which means you're not turn two, your notoriety is one. You have to get your notoriety to two or you're going to lose the game. If you roll, again, for the forces, you roll another one, the second turn ends and you just lost the whole game. So that's happened to me one time where you basically lose the game in about a minute and a half. It's a bit annoying, but then again, it happens so fast, big deal. And setting up the game is so easy. It's, it's not a big deal. You know, I should mention another thing. The game brings a 32-page rulebook. Out of that, about 16 pages of rules. Then there's a couple pages about John Mosby's history, a couple pages of the designer notes, and then the rest of the book are, is pretty much examples, which is really nice because, honestly, these, these rules are a bit confusing to, to figure out. So, yeah, I think that's about it I'm going to say about the game. I do like it. I, I've enjoyed it every time I've played it. The I think I could get it on eBay for like 15 or 20 bucks. It is definitely out of print. It doesn't seem to be as highly rated as Ambush, not as people like it. It's not paragraph-driven, so in theory it's got more replayability. You know, with Ambush, with the base game, you could play it eight times because there's eight scenarios. With this game, you could play it more than eight, and you know, each time will be a little bit different. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Hopefully I get my power back soon. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at OnePlayerAlbert at gmail.com 
You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek List on BoardGameGeek or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.